Eric was a good-looking guy by all accounts. He was a great listener, started going with his first practice month instead of overthinking things, and began relaxing his body after our first night working together. Thus, he got some pretty corrective responses. Women were lighting up in conversations with him, and for a moment, I had to wonder why he needed my help. Then it became clear. After getting some of the best responses I've ever seen on both Thursday and Friday nights, Eric's interactions would start to fizzle in five to ten minutes. When he did get a woman's number after a seemingly awesome conversation, he would often not respond to his text. At this point, it wasn't surprising to hear that he was madly attracted to a woman back at home, Caitlin, who only saw him as a friend, laughing awkwardly whenever he tried to express his romantic feelings. After reading the previous chapter and the title of this one, you should already have a good idea of where Eric was going wrong. Eric was, wasn't getting sexual. When sexual feelings naturally arose in an interaction, he became uncomfortable, muffled them, and kept all of his communications strictly catatonic, creating an awkward vibe. Maybe sexual communication was repressed in his upbringing. Maybe he was taught to wait for some big signal from a woman. That usually doesn't happen. Maybe he just never learned how or possibly all three. And so even after meeting a woman who was very much attracted to him initially, she would eventually move on to find a guy that wasn't afraid to show her that he was attracted to her. Caitlin may have found Eric attractive initially, but after he effectively demonstrated that he wasn't a sexual being, despite making some jokes with the subject, there really wasn't a chance for those feelings to continue. Sexy Saturday of the program, the day we practiced sexual communication with our female assistants, was really a revelation for Eric. After explaining why these interactions would fail, as discussed in the previous chapter, I explained that sexual communication started and ended with the natural sexual energy that you feel in that specific moment. You may have heard the expression, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. If you've ever been angry or irritated about something, it doesn't matter what you say to someone else. They are going to feel the fact that you're angry or irritated. Similarly, if you say, I hate you, but you do it affectionately in the same way when you say, I love you, then no one is actually going to believe that you hate them. Flirting is the same way. If you try to speak sexually or get more physical, but you're not actually feeling turned on inside, either because you're be either because you're because you're in your head or because you're confused and through other nervous habits, then she won't feel that you are actually attracted to her. Your words and actions will feel awkward and phony, and she will most likely brush them off or act like you're joking. Close your eyes Picture a woman that really turns you on. Imagine her accidentally stabbed or wearing nothing at all and doing every sexual thing that your heart could ever desire, fulfilling your every fantasy, 
your body protects against one another in whatever way you want. Seriously, take a moment to close your eyes and imagine this. Do you feel that swelling of energy in your chest and other parts of your body? Do you feel that natural, God-given tingling sensation resonating from the top of your head to the tip of your toes? Some people call it being turned on, while others call it toning in. I simply call it sexual energy. When that feeling arises in interaction with a woman, if things are going to move forward romantically, she has to feel that desire burning through you, resonating in your chest and communicating through your entire body. If you are feeling that energy and communicating it while listening to her feelings, then your actions will always be the right one. If you're disconnected from that sexual energy, or you're in your head worried about messing things up, breaking eye contact, or overdoing it out of desperation, then she'll interpret the tension as awkward more than sexual, or feel like you're not really into her. You can't think your way out of, thing, out of this dance. You have to trust your feelings. Guys often ask me how they can lower their anxiety before talking to women to make things easier. I always say that you don't want to lower your level of energy as this is what creates a spark of sexual tension in the interaction. Instead, you have to learn how to become comfortable with that energy so that you don't confuse it in a number of nervous habits and excuses or other sabotaging thought patterns. You have to embrace that energy and learn how to ride the dragon. Human beings are attracted to individuals who can carry large amounts of tension or sexual energy while remaining calm. They want a man who won't flinch as she unleashes all of her sexual energy, who she can trust to hold the energy for both of them as she lets herself go. If you are showing that you can't handle this initial tension, then she won't feel comfortable turning up the heat even further with you. As you work on holding rising levels of sexual tension in your body without becoming anxious, these feelings will naturally be communicated through your body. We'll be, we'll be describing how this happens through your touch and your words in the next two chapters. But the most important way your sexual feelings express themselves is through the feelings shared by both people in an interaction, otherwise known as the vibe. most powerful way your desire is communicated in the moment it arises is through your body. As I mentioned, when someone is feeling something in their body, whoever is around will feel it as well. As you become comfortable feeling more sexual energy in your body, your eyes and facial expression will reflect that energy, becoming more seductive. At the same time, your voice will lower ever so slightly and take on a more seductive tone. Note that if you're trying to look or sound sexy, your expression will be as awkward as a fake smile. The expression has to be the one that naturally arises from the sexual energy of the moment. If you want an excellent example of communicating with the sexual vibe, 
I recommend watching the television show Telephone Patient. The show revolves around the character Hank Moody, played by actor David Strathbunny, who sabotages his life through countless sexual assaults. While television shows have to make the dialogue more punchy for ratings, you'll notice that the main driver behind Moody's twist is the fact that he communicates with everyone in that show, men and women, with the exception of his daughter, with the most overt sexual tone you can imagine. The women he's interacting with feel his special energy and respond with flirtation of their own. At that moment, all Hank has to do is push things forward with an even more overt sexual vibe and the words and actions are described in the following fashion. Other than allowing her to contribute equally to the conversation, this is the area where the rushing to fill in silences is most important. Sensuality isn't, can't exist without silence. And although filling in the silence is one of the most common ways to decrease tension, we must avoid this rush if the natural sexual feelings of our interaction are flowing. The vibe is by far the most important factor in sexual communication. If you physically express your attraction, but you can't feel that it's real, then she will often brush off your advances unless she's just looking for a quick physical connection herself. If you verbally express your attraction, but are in your head, thinking about what you should or shouldn't do, instead of feeling turned on, then she will laugh your words off and tell you to stop kidding around, or she'll tell you you're sweet, but she doesn't feel the same way. She has to feel the sexual desire of the moment communicated through you without distraction in order to believe that you, that your other advances are genuine. Communicating is a sexual vibe, often all you need. Maybe you're at a dinner party and you can tell two people attracted to each other just by watching the way they communicate. Individuals who don't understand sexual energy wonder what happens. They ask, what did he do to trigger that attraction? And feel frustrated that they are not having those kind of interactions with women. People who are aware of how sexual energy is communicated know exactly what's going on in this situation. Often, before the two people who are communicating sexually know it themselves, and they just smile. They know that the two have some natural chemistry and that they weren't afraid to express their feelings for one another in the, in the only way that matters. It's a beautiful thing. In that Saturday afternoon classroom session, I'll think of something that turns me on and then talk about what the guys ate for breakfast with a sexual vibe. While the effect won't be as genuine as if I'm interacting with a woman with genuine sexual interaction present, the point I'm trying to convey to the guys is that the specific content of their conversation doesn't matter. Flirting often happens during the most boring of subject topics. This is because true sexuality isn't communicated via the content of your words, it's communicated in the subconscious. Flirting, a concept which confuses most people who attempt to define it, 
is simply communicating with the central file. At its most, at its most basic level, it's acknowledging the natural attraction between two individuals and having fun with it. At a restaurant, you can play with the waitress without any sort of goal other than making each other's day a bit more enjoyable. Maybe one or both of you will prefer to leave it at that, or maybe you'll both be interested in more and will continue a conversation with a more personal tone before a number is exchanged. You can toss around the slightest bit of sexual tone in your workplace. Many men and women use this, and the brief seems to give confidence and charisma that comes with it. It's a means of having more fun and more enjoyable interactions with other office mates who also enjoy a little flirting. Expressing your, sexual, your sexuality isn't about doing something extra. It's about being comfortable with all of yourself. This perceived boost in confidence and charisma also gives them a slight edge to get ahead more quickly. It's also important to note once again that you shouldn't be trying to do anything. Trying to feel sexual isn't holding space. Holding space is remaining as quiet on the inside as possible and feeling the natural feelings that come out. When you try to force sexual feelings on the moment in order to achieve a desired outcome, it will just feel desperate and manipulative. When you enjoy whatever comes up without agenda, due to the natural, due to the nature of human beings, those feelings will often be sexual. If you only communicate sexually around the woman to whom you're most attracted to, you will do so poorly. Sexual communication should be a natural part of all communication between consenting adults. As you practice holding space in all of your interactions and become more comfortable with your sexual energy, you will notice slight sexual feelings popping up when you least expect them. Sexual energy isn't exclusively about wanting to get more physical with someone. At its most basic level, it's simply acknowledging this interesting thing often happens when two people, bodies are around each other, let's have fun with it for its own sake. Flirt with older women to remind them of their femininity, which is too often discarded by society because it doesn't help us advance our personal agenda. Make her feel beautiful, and not only will you enjoy your life more, bring more joy to others' lives, and become a better flirt, but don't be surprised when they want to introduce you to their daughter or granddaughter. If someone's not in the mood to flirt, it's easy to fall back to the platonic tone that you're more than comfortable with. No harm, no foul. The more you flirt with everyone, though, and make all women feel beautiful without agenda, the more the feminine population will reward you. No matter what made you hold back from doing these things in the past, today is as good a day as any to start flirting. The best part is that when you start feeling and communicating just a little bit of sexual energy, the moment it pops up, you'll notice an immediate positive difference in the responses you receive. Just remember that it's not about looking or sounding a certain way, but rather it simply comes from holding space for the feelings of the moment and reacting to them.
By now, you can probably guess what happened with Harry. Saturday night, his mind was blown by just how many women were attracted to him when he wasn't afraid to express his sexuality. He headed home full of confidence, finally comfortable with all of his all of himself, and now I have a letter from Caitlin begging me for bringing out the perfect boyfriend that was right under her nose. Principle number 11. Flirt with everyone by expressing your sexuality with your whole body. Chapter 12. From friend to lover, how to get physical. When it comes to initiating a more intimate physical connection, Men often face the same fear that they did when it came to expressing their sexual feelings in the first place, making the move too soon and being rejected. They could put it off, again waiting for the perfect moment where she makes it easy for him, like movie style, which never comes, leaving the woman with the impression that he was interested in nothing more than a good flirt. Fortunately for us, if you're present with the feelings of the moment, and letting physical polarity run its natural course as I described in chapter 9, then physical sexual communication will naturally occur. When two people are sexually attracted to each other, feeling that desire in their bodies and expressing it through flirting, both will naturally feel their bodies drawn to each other much more aggressively than when platonic feelings are present. When sexual attraction is present in the moment, every time you touch will feel amazing for both parties, qualitatively different than the pleasant feeling, a platonic touch feeling. It feels like your body is wrapped in a blanket of tingly awesomeness when you feel her next to you. In that moment, when she be just a half inch away from her feeling incredibly sexy, feeling the tension before you touch again. Physical communication of sexuality is simply expression of your body's natural, God-given desire to be on each other. It's simply allowing yourself to convey that natural desire and begin feeling your body against hers in a way that feels great for both of you. The initial steps toward this form of sexual communication are no more intrusive than platonic physical polarity. Only the feeling will be different. And thus, you have plenty of time to take the hint that she doesn't feel the way and prevent any grand rejection. In the rest of this chapter, I will give examples of the ways that human beings typically express their sexual desires physically. Just as with everything else in this book, if you try to consciously do any of these things as a mood, then your actions will reek of awkwardness and agenda and be more likely to have her uncomfortable. Instead, your only jobs are, first, to not get in the way when your natural desire to get close to her takes over, and second, to be present with her to make sure she's with you every step of the way. Physical Polarity 2.0 Again, when the vibe becomes sexual, the usual level of physical polarity that occurs when the feelings are only platonic becomes much more intense. The feeling will certainly be different, 
and that will propel the two bodies to get even closer. While physical polarity must always involve moving closer and then further away, the average distance between two people who are sexually attracted to each other will change more aggressively as these revolutions transpire. When you're connecting with someone, you'll naturally move closer to them as you speak. The more you're turned on by that person in that moment, the closer you'll want to get. It will become less about communicating whatever words you want to say and more about communicating that when you get closer to her, it feels amazing. When you learn it to say, when you when you lean in to say something, more and more of your body will make contact from your shoulders to your hips. You'll catch a whiff of her scent and that draws you even closer to her ear and neckline as you speak. The feeling of your breath on the back of her neck and your lips will barely grazing her ear sends shivers down her spine. You'll still lean back to give each other space to process the emotional intimacy you just shared, but your hips will linger closer and closer to each other as they take 10 days to be parted. Hence the expression, attached at the hip. Anyone who has ever said, I don't like that place, it's too loud, about a bar or club, if they are interested in sexual connection, obviously doesn't understand the way this natural phenomena works. If you have ever found yourself hooking up with someone after a night of too many drinks and aren't really sure how it happened, I can clear that up for you. You saw someone with whom you have strong sexual chemistry. The loud music forced you to get closer to talk to them and jump-started the physical polarity. The alcohol took you out of your head and stopped your natural rubs from sabotaging the process, as well as keeping any perfectly plausible reasons to slow things down from entering your mind and particularly became attached at the hip. The process of physical polarity then continues unabated until the next morning when your heads come back into play. Again, if you try to do any of this as a strategy to turn her on or create sexual intimacy, you won't be holding space for the incredible feelings of the moment and she'll usually start to feel uncomfortable, unless she simply wants to get laid. Plus, it's much more fun for you when you can just surrender to the feelings of the moment and enjoy the ride. Time holding. Despite being considered a more juvenile means of expressing physical attraction, holding hands is sexy. It's not surprising that Lennon and McCartney wrote a song about it. There are a lot of nerve endings in your hands. When two people are sexually attracted to each other, their hands will almost be drawn toward each other like magnets. And when they make contact, you feel, you feel an explosion of warm, gooey pleasure. If you're present with the feeling of the moment, of course. It's almost as if our bodies want to talk to each other, and the simplest way they can do that is through our hands. A little afraid to go straight in for the handholds? That's okay. When you're leaning in during one of the natural cycles of physical polarity, it's not uncommon for your hands to brush against her. When this happens, is her reaction one of comfort or discomfort? If you're continuing to get a connected vibe from her, you can take that as a sign to let the natural process continue 
and allowed his hands to talk, shaking her head. Don't ask me why, but there's something insanely sexy about putting your hands on or around a woman's hips. When you're turned on, you usually feel an intense desire to wet your hands firmly around her hips and pull her as tightly towards you as possible. I said that everything in this story applies to everyone, no matter who you are attracted to. Well, this may be the one exception. Whoever prefers the more dominant role in that moment will typically desire to do the hip-taking. While the person who prefers the more submissive role in that moment will typically desire to have her or his hips taken. Initial phases of this process will involve lightly running their hands along her hips or flirting with them a bit. If she shows pleasure at this flirtation, you have the green light to allow this natural process to continue gradually, taking her hips in one, and then both hands with greater intensity, culminating in pulling her towards you. The more slowly this process develops, the better. If she extends her hips towards you, though, moving them in a sexy rhythm, you should give in to your desire to reach out for them. If you're holding the space for your feelings, there's typically nothing you'll want more, even if she then calls back coyly to allow the dance to continue. The kiss. The problem most guys face when thinking of going for the kiss is that they try to cover a large distance with an awkward lunge. If you're not interrupting the natural flow of physical polarity 2.0, though, you can see that you should never have to worry about covering all that distance at once. When your bodies are getting closer, your hands holding each other's and running up and down her hips as they press more tightly against yours, your hips grazing against her cheeks before looking deeply into her eyes, licking respective lips as you glance at them, your faces nearly inches apart. At this point, it's nearly impossible to stop a kiss from happening. If you're in your head, worried about getting physical the right way or trying to turn her on, then your actions will feel either stiff or forced and your touch will feel awkward. Instead, if you touch her in the way, in the way it feels best for you in that moment, then it will be the touch that will most likely feel best for her as well. You'll still have time to pay attention to her physical and emotional response, but if you have been allowing the tension to build slowly and staying present with the shared feelings at that moment, then nine times out of ten, she'll be enjoying that touch just as much as you are. If, for whatever reason, Either one of you is uncomfortable proceeding to deeper levels of physical intimacy in that moment, then it's time to place a, mo a moment momentary hold on allowing the physical polarity to intensify and instead enjoy swimming around in whatever level of intimacy you're both comfortable with. If either of you becomes frustrated with the way other expresses his or her boundaries, it's typically a sign that you have some agenda or preconceived notions about the other person that didn't take his or her feelings into account. In these instances, the other person will rightfully feel creeped out and will usually pull away even more.
If, on the other hand, most people are simply enjoying the natural attraction between them at a level they are both comfortable with, showing that they both care about the other person's feelings, then it becomes increasingly difficult to stop the natural process of physical polarity from continuing. There are some incredibly good reasons to stop things from getting more physical, though. Even if nat nature is telling you otherwise, if either of you are in an exclusive relationship, if it would hurt a friend, if she's, going if she's giving you all of these signals and advances things physically, but she's not emotionally present. I could dedicate an entire chapter to this topic alone. Even if you stop the physical dance from continuing, however, you should still hold space for the feelings of the moment and acknowledge them. In one of the above situations, where it's best not to push things further, a plus smile of appreciation for the present feelings will be just fine. If you try to repress those feelings, your interactions will be laced with the awkwardness of your shame, and you're far more likely to act out in ways that damage your relationship. This physical dance from beginning to end to new beginnings is one of the most pleasurable experiences known to humanity. Exploring our relationship through, through it consciously and listening to the feelings that arise will, for many people, feel like exploring it for the first time. Embark fearlessly and remember that as, as with many of life's journeys, it's not about getting to a destination, it's about enjoying the ride. Principle number 12, sex happens. Not when you make it happen, but when you let it happen. Chapter 13. How to turn off the speech with your voice. Speaking sexually often raises the same fears as the same fears in men as in initiating physical contact and flirting. They are afraid to come across as creepy. Often they have watched other men say things to women that they could only dream about. While any attempt of their own to turn the conversation in a more sexual direction is only met with awkward looks or comfortable la uncomfortable laughter. The concept of speaking sexually may be confusing to a lot of people who equate flirting with saying explicitly sexual things. As I discussed in chapter 11 though, you can talk about breakfast and still flirt. It's all about the vibe. Explicit sexual communication, on the other hand, is any verbal communication that correctly expresses the sexual feelings you're experiencing in that moment. Basically, it's anything that verbally says, I desire you. Many guys make the mistake of thinking about verbally communicating their sexual sexuality in terms of how they can turn on a woman with their voice. Saying something that will get the sexual juices flowing. This also harkens back to the winning her over mindset. That's one of the biggest turnoffs for women. Your goal shouldn't be to try to turn her on, but to express your feelings, which in case, which in this case are that she's turning you on. Just like with everything else in this section, your work must stem from the feeling of your sexual energy as a saver, otherwise they will lack power and authenticity. With that in mind, here are the most common ways that one expresses his desire verbally. As with the touching, 
decision of placing a step-by-step instruction. This is what typically happens when you verbally react to the sexual energy of the moment. Compliment. The oldest form of, of expressing your attraction verbally, other than some sexual grunt, compliments have recently gotten a bad rep in the world of dating sites. I've heard that you shouldn't compliment women because they are so used to being bombarded by compliments from men that they have grown tired of them and you will you will just be considered another boring guy if you do it. True, plenty of guys have gotten less than positive responses when attempting to give a compliment, and these experiences have given some credence to the above interpretation of those experiences. But the reason why our compliments can receive mixed reactions is that we have abused them to the point of women being unable to trust us when we give them. By abuse, I mean that men have misused compliments. Instead of expressing genuine appreciation over something she did, many men use compliments to try to get a positive reaction out of a woman if he's not getting one already. In this way, the compliment isn't an honest one, but one whose purpose is to attempt to manipulate her emotions to give her his desired responses. It's no different than when a salesman gives you an obviously fake compliment that turns you off from buying what he's selling. Is it any wonder that these phony compliments will turn a woman off after she's fallen for them once or twice in her life? Instead, if a compliment reflects genuine feelings of appreciation when she's done something to inspire that appreciation, then she will most likely react to it by lighting up at the Christmas tree. Maybe she'll even blush a little. For example, if she smiles politely but disingenuously and say, you have a nice smile, then it's kind of a BS, and she probably won't respond very well. If, on the other hand, she smiles brightly and genuinely and you say, I love your smile, it makes me happy, then it's a genuine compliment brought on by the real emotion you're feeling and without any other agenda. As a result, she will probably blush and smile even more adorably than before. If you come and say, that's awesome, before launching into whatever you wanted to say next, she won't actually believe that you thought what she said was awesome. If you hold space for a moment before saying, I think that's really cool, while genuinely feeling impressed and looking her in the eye, while conveying that feeling, then she will smile and want to talk even more about whatever you are genuinely interested in. Getting a phone number. Guys often abuse getting a woman's phone number as well. They treat it as a trophy, trying to rack up as many numbers as possible as a way to gouge how well they are doing with women and then wonder why most of those numbers never come into place. Getting a phone number shouldn't be a goal or a trophy. It's merely a way of telling a woman that you're interested in spending more time and getting to know her. If she's not getting that vibe from you, it doesn't matter if she gives you her number or not. She probably won't want to talk to you again. On the flip side, too many guys hesitate to ask for numbers after a fantastic conversation once again, waiting for some grand signal that she's interested 
instead of courageously expressing their feelings. Meanwhile, the woman just assumes that he's not that interested in her and doesn't want to see her again. Again, the world is changing and more and more women are initiating the number of changes. But we're still in a transitional period and many women will still want will still wait for our guys to make the first move. If you are talking to a woman and there's an awkward pause, and then she says she needs to get going, and then another awkward pause, and then an awkward goodbye, many guys will interpret this as, well, it got awkward, which could logically search and shot me down. But from the woman's point of view, it often went more like so. She didn't ask for my number, so she wasn't that into me. When she says she has to get going, it often really means, do you want my number or not, dude? If you're talking to two women and the one you have been communicating with more platonically excuses herself for any reason that leaves you alone with her friends with whom you have had more casual chemistry, they're both expecting you to take a friend's number if you're interested in seeing her again. To illustrate this point, one time I was eating in Whole Foods and got to talking with a lovely brunette who worked at the YMC down there. I was in an explicit relationship at that point and wasn't interested in anything more than conversation, but we were having a very nice conversation and I could feel a tiny bit of attraction brewing between us. As I was getting ready to leave, I could feel that moment arrive and I either asked for the number or not. I could feel her curious disappointment as I said goodbye without going for it. Because I didn't want her running back to the Cosmo to try to figure out what she did wrong, I went back to the table after throwing out my pass and let her know that I couldn't get her number because I was in a relationship but otherwise would have. She smiled and thanked me and said she was wondering if she was, if that was the case, but she couldn't be sure. On one hand, going for a number says a lot. I've had women unwilling to kiss me because they thought I was just interested in a one-night stand, but after taking their phone number, because I, I really was interested in seeing them again, things speed up physically in a hurry. On the other hand, it's never over the top or inappropriate. If you're talking to a woman during the daytime, or maybe to a waitress at a restaurant where it's inappropriate to get closer physically, when you're not sure if she likes you or is just flirting for fun or working for tips, then you can just go for the number. As long as you ask for the number while feeling and communicating your sexual desire, then her response will let you know immediately how she feels about you. If she's interested, everybody wins. If not, then no harm, no foul. I've gotten plenty of free drinks from bartenders after previously asking for their numbers because they feel flattered and can't fault me for asking if they have been flirting with me. The best part, though, is that you will never be left wondering what could have happened. When it comes to the phone number, your job is to make the awkward exchange happen as smoothly as possible. For accomplices, I simply say some variation of, I like talking to you. We should do it again. Or, this is fun. I'll let you see you again. Whatever I'm feeling in the moment. You're basically just verbalizing what the phone number implies, which is, I want to see you again. 
I'm saying this, I'm already reaching for my phone because she agreed. And I've been reading her signals at all correctly. She probably will confess to seeing someone or just doing her job. And she's thereby saying she would like to screen members. By agreeing that. <coughs> By agreeing that she would like to see me again, she's agreeing to the logical legwork necessary to make that happen. So after she agrees, either with a nod or smile or verbal agreement, I pull out my phone, type her number, and then hit call so she has my number as well. Don't get caught up in the details, though. The most important thing is, as always, the feeling. As I mentioned, the world is changing, and I can't count the number of times women have asked for my number because the feeling in that moment was that we both wanted to see each other again. As long as you're both communicating with that vibe and not suppressing those feelings in your body or verbally, you will probably see each other again. The number exchange is just an afterthought. Speaking about sex seriously. If the topic of sexuality arises in a conversation, a natural tension will arise over the interaction as well. Many times we look to diffuse this tension through humor and making some jokes, but, it, but as I have already stated, a woman wants a man who can hold that tension without flinching. A woman will often make a sexual joke or a leisure, and although she's probably not flinching your pleasantry, you'll be judged on how you respond. If she makes a joke about threesomes, it's okay to laugh at her jokes. But if you become uncomfortable and try to make a bad joke or change the topic, she will know that the topic of sex is one with which you are uncomfortable. As a result, she won't feel comfortable proceeding further down that road with you. If you treat the topic seriously, not giggling over your fantasy, but instead expressing genuine interest, then you will demonstrate that. Despite the awkwardness surrounding the topic in, the, in our society, you're comfortable with that tension, and she can trust going there with you more. It's the same as sexual innuendo, which also raises the tension of an interaction. When you are connected to a sexual desire and feeling sensual, the words that pop into your mind to use will naturally be more sensual in nature. When you are feeling sexual and speaking in a slower, more sensual tone, your, communi your communication will, ne will necessarily be laden with more sexual innuendo. If you try to force the innuendo by overthinking or chuckle it off with an over-the-top comment such as, Haha, let's get it. Nudge, nudge then your attempt will come off as forced and awkward. One note about speaking explicitly about more sexual topics. I will wait for her or our physical actions to go there first. If she introduces a sexual topic, I'll be as explicit as I can be on that topic, which is pretty explicit. If she tries to call you out for this explicitness, you can remind her that she's the one who took the conversation there. I won't bring up oral sex before it happens, but afterward, I will explicitly state how I can't wait to do it again. Sexual communication starts and ends 
with the sexual feelings in the moment reflected in your body. The second you disconnect from them and jump back into your head, look away or try to force it, is the same second in which you lose sexual connection. That feeling must be communicated first through your body and then through your words. If you don't, when she doesn't make the move for you, you will be wondering what could have, what could have been. Be so slow, consciously of the other person's boundaries, and then continue to let nature take its course as far as you both actively enjoy. Every human being is entitled to express his or her sexuality with consensual partners. If you're repressing the sexual repressing the natural sexuality in your communications with others or expressing it anxiously, then you're missing a major aspect of human interaction and signaling to everyone else that you're not comfortable with all of yourself. The underlying frustrations you've been expressing, experiencing have let you know that something was off. It's time to remove the layers of fear and shame surrounding this God-given part of ourselves and start expressing ourselves the way that nature intended. It's time for you to start letting the women in your life know they they can feel comfortable sharing their sexuality with you by having the courage to enjoy your own without agenda. I've given you the tools. It's time for you to take the first steps forward. Principle number 13. Speaking sexually is simply verbalizing, you turn me off. This is it for today. I'll continue with section four next time.